I would just like to apologize for the delay in getting these episodes out. We actually recorded this episode about six weeks ago, um, and just due to work and holidays, have not been able to get it out. We thank you for your patience, and my 2018 resolution is to get the rest of these episodes out on time. Have a great day. The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. I thought you were a business brain, Mark, but you're better than that. You're what my grandma would call a real piece of shit. Yeah? It's a great plan. Hans is the star, Jeremy's a second stringer. Let's fuck him. That's our dick. That's Jeremy's asshole. We're fucking him. Hey everybody, welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast episode 31, Burgling. My name is Sean and I own Heat on Blu-ray, DVD and digital download. My name's Laura and I would much rather be watching Heat than doing this podcast. I know how you feel. <laughs> um, so I feel like it's been six years since the last time we talked. Are you still doing okay? I'm, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Is Phil okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's all right. He's uh, doing ironing at the moment with looking after the children. I enjoyed the, uh, I, I enjoyed your uh, updates of Phil over this weekend. It was oh, quite funny. my God. He he doesn't get drunk very often. Him and his best friend went to a gig in Shepherd's Bush. And honestly, it was the funniest thing. They So I had a text at like, I went to bed about one. And I had a text at three o'clock saying, just in an Uber from Hoxton, which is, it's not, Hoxton's not miles away, but it's not around the corner either, like, that was going to be an expensive Uber. So I thought, oh, Christ, they're really drunk, but they'd missed the last train. Um, and then I woke up at like half past six and he wasn't in bed. So because I'm lazy, intrinsically, I was like, oh, I just look on, find my friends and see where he is. Like, fucking hell. Like, he can't still be in Hoxton. But he was in the house. So I came out, we're on three floors and I came out the third on the third floor. And he wasn't in the spare room, which was like where I thought he would be with his friends. And he wasn't like collapsed in the hallway. And him and his best mate were just like snuggled up together on the sofa with a pizza that they had barely eaten. And and I couldn't get this in the photograph I took because I didn't want to go into the room and wake them up. The cats were also asleep with them having eaten the pizza. And it was just, it was brilliant. It was, I will be <laughs> tormenting them about this for probably the next 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> they both oh God, and they both still incredible. had their coats on and their scarves and like it's really cold here so they hadn't even bothered to they clearly hadn't even got as far as taking their coats off oh, oh my god that's so fucking funny he <laughs> didn't feel too fresh this, the next morning it was yeah that was bad oh my god i can only imagine yeah yeah um so as we've kind of done for the last couple series that you and i have done together um what was going on in your life on May 2nd, 2008? So I had just just been accepted for teacher training and I was doing my pre-teacher training, 2nd of May, 2008. Um, and that involved kind of sitting in a lecture room with a load of other poor unfortunates and learning about how pedagog the pedagogy of teaching in a secondary school and we did that for like two months before we were sent out on placement. So that is what I was doing. What about you? Um, well, May 2nd just happens to be my birthday. So this was, I was celebrating my 27th birthday. Mm -hmm. um, 
I had been out of the military a little under a year, so I was really starting to get kind of adjusted to life outside the military. I had grown a beard for the first time. I had these wild dreams of growing out my hair super long um, <laughs> that I ultimately never did. Um, I was just about to start working at my first optical job, and a little-known politician named Barack Obama was about to rock my life. Hmm. So, so it's quite a positive time for you and America. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, the Great Recession, I think, had just started or was just getting ready to start, so it wasn't all like uh, peaches and rainbows, but, um, you know, wasn't wasn't bad either. No. No, yeah, the credit uh, crunch was just about to hit, wasn't it? Or it hit, and we were yeah. all... I mean, that was the last year that teachers got a pay increase in this country, so cost of living, so... That's so that's we're still on wages that are on a par with 2nd of May 2008. So, really, for me, very little's changed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see what else was going on. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much like the main thing that was going on in my life right right then and there. Had you met your wife at this point? Uh, no, I was about six, seven months away from meeting my wife. Nope, still hadn't met her yet. No, I hadn't met my husband either at this point. I was actually getting ready to break up with my girlfriend that I was dating at the uh. time. I was about... Uh, this was kind of the first... My birthday was kind of the first time where I was like, hmm, maybe this isn't going to be the greatest uh, thing in the world. So... <laughs> uh. So... Um, I still had I still had yet not heard of Peep Show. It was still uh, a uh, thing that I just had never even knew about. So, so when this uh, this series started, I the boyfriend I was with had never watched Peep Show, and prior to this airing on the second of May two thousand and eight, I made him watch all five previous series. So I got him into it on this episode. Wow, that's a miracle because I thought this episode fucking sucked. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's not the best one, but. Uh, it's it's a poor start to a good series, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, what's funny is on Something Awful that I talked about uh, last week with the Peep Show, or t- last week, week before, with the Peep Show love story, the Peep Show thread is still getting new posts in it where people are like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and watch this. And then you'll see comments like, is everybody in this show supposed to be awful, or do I just <laughs> feel like everybody is awful? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, everyone in it is meant to be awful, I think. Um, so, anything else that you want to discuss? I feel like we've already, uh, even though we've only been talking for like five minutes, we've already discussed a lot today. Yes, so. um, no, no, not really. I'm ready to roll into the episode. Alright, so yeah, like I said, this is um, Series 5, Episode 1, Burgling, and we kind of pick up right where series four left off with mark and sophie and mark is back at apollo house and he is kind of he's just drinking a bunch of personalized bottles of champagne really enjoy the personalized bottle of champagne really like that as that was i don't know if uh, if that was a big trend over there but this was a big trend at wedding circa this time and while i was doing my initial teacher training i had a um a part-time job in a wedding shop and this was one of the big things that people were having at their weddings at this point was personalised bottles of, like, not even champagne, like, God knows what it was, really cheap carver. 
I like how Jeremy um, uh, admires the packaging. He's like, he likes the font and he likes the picture and he just sort of likes everything about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's being complimentary about it. Yep. Um, as Jeremy is about to open the final bottle, Mark tells him not to open the final bottle of champagne and Jeremy wonders what for. Um, and Mark says that he wants to save it. And then Jeremy just says, oh, in case you marry somebody else named Sophie, who looks exactly like Sophie, and you don't jilt her. <laughs> I like as well that he's got half of this this wine, like, in the midst of do doing a jilting and then getting married anyway, and then clearly them splitting up. Some Someone at some point has split the personalized champagne in half. I like the little crate that was on the floor that I can only assume that little crate that was on the floor had all the bottles of champagne in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeremy's phone rings and in a hell of a callback that I did not even realize was a callback until I was doing the notes for this episode. It's Paula. It is Paula. I knew it was Paula. Um, it's not even, he doesn't even kind of <laughs> explain, it's not explained to the audience, is it, how we know Paula, but Paula was in episode one of series one um, and she was the sister of, or half sister of Tony, the next door neighbor, who Jeremy wrongly thought had cancer. Yeah, that worked as the record executive. Yes. Um, bit weird that she turns up in this episode, but quite funny, and even funnier to see her with hair. Yeah, yeah long hair. Like, I actually went back and I double-checked um, that this was the same actress because it just it didn't even look like the same actress. And the biggest thing is that she wears that fucking hat almost the entire time, so you can't even really see her hair. But, yeah, it is definitely the same actress, too. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was weird that Paula just comes back out of the blue and of course we get a obligatory mention of tony who thankfully doesn't show up <laughs> no um jeremy is being invited on a double date uh with paula and someone else and jeremy decides to throw mark into the deep end and make him the double on the double date yeah he uh just goes ahead and volunteers mark to uh that he's coming with him on a date um Paula has a friend named Heather, and Heather needs um, a date as well. So Jeremy just decides they're going on a double date with each other. Yeah. And then, of course, Mark's first question is, is she sexy? <laughs> Bit odd that he asked that. That's the first thing he asked. But Jeremy says that beggars can't be choosers and that he needs to get back in the game. In fact, I think he says, shouts, you're back in the game. Yep, you're back in the game. And... <laughs> And then, of course, Jeremy does the little bye-bye, bye, bye-bye <laughs> thing on the phone, which apparently, as you told me, all British people do. Yep. Um, and then uh, um, Jeremy tells Mark that they're going out to a play, but he tells Mark not to worry about it because um, plays are, have moved on. They use proper actors, Americans, and people off the telly. And this made me laugh because probably about three or four years ago, Tom Hiddleston was doing a Shakespeare play called Cor Coralanus. Mm. And they were doing like simulcasts of Coralanus um, in certain college campuses. And my wife and I drove up to three hours up to Nebraska to go watch a simulcast of Coralanus from one of the theaters in Britain. So Jesus, that's dedication to the Tom Hiddleston straight Coralanus calls. Yeah. Uh, well, it was, it was mostly my wife, my wife, uh, She's obsessed with Tom Hiddleston, so... 
Ah, so uh, this line was very funny at the time because when this episode was airing, um, and I don't know if it was written on purpose or if it was just a sheer coincidence, but Robert Webb was starring in a play called Fat Pig in the in London that was a big hit, and I went to see uh, probably this month even, probably in about May 2008, so it was very amusing at the time that he said that <laughs> plays were fine now. Oh, oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> layers upon layers yeah. upon layers. Yeah. Um, I uh, do enjoy as well that Jeremy uh, says that they have got to make the flat nicer, more female friendly if they're going on this date, and that they're going to have to untake the TV <laughs> remotes, which he calls the Megatron, or Mark calls the Megatron. Yeah. And uh, they say it's the TV, DVD, video, and Sky remotes. And uh, Jeremy says it just smells wrong. It doesn't say urban freewheelers. It says sofa masturbators. <laughs> and Mark finally kind of like reluctantly agrees. I will be honest with you. For some reason, when he says it smells wrong, I always took that as a literal line. No, I think he just means that the vibe is wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I completely understand that now. But yeah, for the longest time, I thought it was uh, like literal, like it smells wrong. Mm. So... Um, but yeah, the Megatron is awesome. My dad or my granddad had something similar to the Megatron where it was two remotes velcroed to each other. Oh, we've got two remotes velcroed to each other. We've got a similar setup going on here because our TV, like our main TV in the living room is won't, for some reason, our Sky remote won't like be set up to do volume with it. So we kept losing the, the remote that did volume. So we velcroed them together. <laughs> Technological. Uh, um, next scene, we are at the theater. Um, Mark and Jeremy arrive there. Mark has this Friends of the British Museum magazine. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Friends of the British Museum? So the British Museum is free to go to, uh, but obviously to keep it going, they need donations. And one of the ways they do that is by having a Friends of the British Museum scheme where you like pay a subscription. And there's also a like a national we have the national trust here so the national trust maintain like old buildings and places of historical interest and it's they're free to visit often sometimes they charge it depends on where it is but in order to keep the free places going they rely on donations and like people being friends of them i don't know if there really is a friend of the british museum magazine i hope there is it does seem like the sort of thing mark would read yeah it's really funny it's a really really <laughs> thick magazine and it's it has a square binding and it looks like the sheets are made out of like high quality, like magazine paper. It's, I mean, it looks like a, a fairly substantial magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jer Jeremy just kind of looks really confused at Mark and Mark just says, you know, um, I'm not a Johnny Depp or Tony Pers Parsons hunk of the month. I've got my magazine and I've got old Meg in his wallet um is this the first mention of old meg i think this is the first mention of old meg yes oh that's great because old meg which eventually leads to his downfall yeah 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 it sure does old yeah. meg but old, not... meg, old meg comes up in this series quite a lot yep she's two years away from expiration <laughs> but yeah yeah he's still doesn't uh use old she'll probably shouldn't use old meg no no um 
Mark's first glance at Heather because Jeremy says, oh, there's Paula and Heather and Mark sees Heather and he just sort of instantly like falls in love with her and he just is like, oh my God, she's beautiful. She's perfect. Oh my God, I think I love her. I think she's the one. And um, he just sort of goes crazy for her here. Yeah, he is immediately thinks she's the one for some reason um, and says that he's going to say that he loves her and um jeremy says you need to calm down yeah yeah uh mark says that he's gonna leave he need, he wants to go back home um and then he asks jeremy to um you know tell her that um he went home but that he loves her yes so. yeah um jeremy and paula then go to get a drink and he is left alone with heather i gotta tell you i thought paula was a pretty good friend here just to just to kind of like leave Heather and Mark alone. Of course, then you find out what Paula wanted in the first place, and then you realize, oh no, yeah, she just wanted to talk in private. <laughs> um, so they kind of start. Uh, Mark and Heather just kind of start talking to each other. Mark thinks to himself, like maybe my first marriage was just a warm up for this one. Jeremy was right; she is just an actual woman. Um, the friends of the british museum thing actually works because heather starts talking him to him about the samurai exhibit yeah she's into it she did a course at college about it and she wants to go to it but says that she's not been able to get tickets and that it's sold out for a couple weeks but as mark points out that's only for the shit munchers yeah he's a friend of the british museum so he can get them in and mark's really pleased that he's rounded up on this second date yeah, uh, second date before the first one has even finished. I'd say that's off to a pretty good start. Yep. Um, and then we go to the bar to find out why Paula has just suddenly called Jeremy out of the blue. And they have a pretty funny conversation here, so I'm just going to insert their conversation right here. So, great to see you. Listen, Jez, um, something I need to tell you. It's a bit difficult, actually. Oh, okay. The other day, I found out when I was in the clinic and... Basically, I've got a sexually transmitted disease. It wasn't me. I didn't say it was. It's chlamydia. I, w I was just telling you in case you wanted to get tested. And lots of times it's symptomless, basically, so it's just... It's symptomless? Oh, right. So, what's the biggie? I mean, no one minds if the invisible man comes to dinner. Maybe I can get into this. Sexually transmitted disease. Sexually transmitted. Sexually. Sexy. I'm feeling sexy. You haven't noticed any unusual discharge from your penis, have you? Not so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jeremy. Poor Jeremy, trying to make chlamydia sexy. Yep, and it just does not does not work. No, does not work at all. Not at all. Nope. Um, so then we go to the actual play. What did you think of this play? Because I thought this play looked fucking awful. Well, I actually know what this play is, and I can assure you, it is fucking awful. It's a Renaissance play called Lust Dominion, and I have studied it, and it's pretty dry. Um, it's a revenge tragedy, so uh, like Hamlet and Titus Andronicus and the Duchess of Malfi, like in that kind of ballpark. Um, and it was written in sometime in the 17th century, like first half of the 17th century, it is dry, it is old, it is not the sort of play you want to sit and watch on a Friday night. 
what did you say this play is called? At Lust Dominion. Oh, Lust, L-U-S-T? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How Lusts. the fuck did you know that? Because I've studied it. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. That's, I'm, I'm fucking impressed that you were able to pick this play out, because I just assumed that they had purposely just, written that, uh, shit Armstrong play, and but... Dane had just <laughs> written the shittiest play imaginable. <laughs> no, this is like the opening scene of the play. um so they're in the opening scene of lust dominion and um jeremy is just like jeremy and mark are just looking at each other paula in the background is just watching super intently and mark and jeremy excuse me mark and jeremy just start kind of talking to each other um Jeremy wants to know when they will be done. Mark says near as he can figure out they have one hour left of this. Then they go outside. Then they come back for two more hours. Yeah. Um, and Jeremy just says, he, you know, can't do that. He'll die. Yeah. Um, they start talking about uh, the movie Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And um, Jeremy just says, you know, something along the lines of like, we could be watching Heat. I've got heat on DVD. Yeah, for less money, we could be watching heat, he says. Yeah. Um, they both pretend to imagine, or they both imagine that they're watching heat instead of the play, but it just doesn't work. Um, at this point, Jeremy just says, fuck it, and he's going to leave. Mark says, no, we're on a date. And then Jeremy just says, no date is worth this. Have you ever had a date where you wish you could have just left, or have you ever left in the middle of a date because it just wasn't worth it? I haven't ever left in the middle of a date, but I have had dates where I wish I had. Uh, most notably, I think I might have mentioned this before, some guy took me on a first date to the London London Aquarium, and I knew it wasn't going to work out there and then, but being generally a polite person, I stayed for all the fish. Uh, but yeah, I wish I could have just thought no date is worth this and fucked off. Yeah. Um, and, then at, and then at that point, Jeremy just leaves Mark with both women, and Mark says, you know, you can't leave me with both women. I can barely date one. <laughs> yeah, but Jeremy will not be swayed, and he goes. Yep, he just fucks off. Um, there's another scene after that that pretty much can be summed up in one sentence, which is Jeremy gives his play ticket to a homeless man and tells him that it's warm inside, but the play is shit. <laughs> yeah. Go and see the second half, it's shit. See what he says? Yep. Go and see the second half, it is shit. <laughs> so now, we start to get to kind of some of the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is uh, Mark comes home and he is upset that Jeremy left him alone there to soak up the bad feelings like a hate sponge. But he was glad that he had already set up a second date, and he also makes a mental note to make sure that he actually likes her before getting married to her. Yes. Um, but as Mark enters the flat, he realizes something's happened because the door is, uh, the, the door's open and the door jam has been smashed. Um, and he hopes that Jeremy's not dead. He says, I hope Jeremy's not been killed because that would be so typical of him. But Jeremy yep. comes out and says, oh, look what's happened. And, and says, you know, there's been a burglary. Yeah, I love, I love the way that, like, Jeremy just acts so surprised where he's like, oh, Mark, look what happened. Like... Yeah, what's he been doing for the last however long? Just sort of like three stand. hours. Yeah, three yeah. fucking hours. <laughs> Probably Mark... three and a half because I bet the intermission was half an hour. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's he been doing for the last three and a half hours? Fucking all. But Mark asks if he's called the police or a locksmith, and Jeremy says that he hasn't because you know he wanted to check with Mark because 
He's no good with that sort of thing. You know, working in, in insurance, like, I'm always amazed at the questions that people ask me where they're like, oh, my house has just been robbed. Oh, see, look, see, I'm doing a southern accent. <laughs> um, you know, where they call me and they're like, my house has just been robbed. What should I do? I'm calling my insurance company. And I'm like, I don't know, have you called the fucking police? Like, <laughs> come on, people. Like, Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty basic. Yeah. Um... Let's see. Has he asked Jeremy if he's called the locksmith, called the police? Jeremy says he wanted to wait and check with Mark first. Jeremy mentions that he is totally in shock because he lost some CDs, and this kind of sends Mark into a tizzy to figure out what was stolen from him. Uh, he goes into his bedroom and he opens the top drawer and he says, "They've nicked my digital camera, watch, and iPod," which I thought was so funny because in modern times that would literally be one device. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jeremy says that they've nicked his bit of dope, but then he says maybe he smoked it, but they've definitely <laughs> nicked the PlayStation. Yeah, Mark is super upset because the memory card was in the PlayStation and he had nearly broken through on a Medal of Honor. They've nicked 120 hours of quality me time, bloody hell. Yes, um, Jeremy tries to empathise, he says, look, you've lost your iPods, I've got chlamydia, and this cheers Mark up because finally... Finally, Jeremy has caught VD. Um, he says all his chickens are coming home to roost. And uh, this is, is very funny. It's very funny to see the switch in Mark with the sort of look of glee on his face. Oh, one other question I was going to ask you is, um, so in the same scene, Jeremy is in the process of ordering a pizza and he asks Mark if he wants American hot. What the fuck is American hot? Um, it's like beef and chilies, I think. Is oh. it not? I mean, I assumed it came from America. <laughs> I've never heard of an American hot pizza Oh, really? Before. I'm just I'm going to double check what's on an American hot. Uh, American Good old Donnie was like, hot. hey, you need to ask Laura what an American hot pizza is. <laughs> American hot pizza is a... Because I thought it was... Because uh, Donnie thought it was like a chain. Uh, beef, like a... pepperoni, onions, chilies, and green peppers. God damn, that sounds good. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> uh, anyways, so, uh, yeah, so uh, Mark just is like, oh, so you finally caught VD, and Jeremy's like, yeah, Paula told me. Still, it's only chlamydia. It's symptomless, and Mark is just like, oh, well, you, you know, that sucks that you're going to have to call all your exes, and Jeremy's just like, what? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And then Mark's, you know, tells him that he needs to call all his exes because chlamydia can make women infertile. And then Jeremy just says, yeah, all right, Dr. Miriam Stoppard, <laughs> fine, I'll do it. Jesus. Do you know who Dr. Miriam Stoppard is? Did that make sense? Nope, but I was hoping you would. Yeah, so she's like, uh, she's like a doctor who, she wrote loads of like books on, famously she wrote books on how to bring up a baby, but she was like an agony aunt as well in the tabloid newspaper. So, yeah, it's pretty funny that he's calling her Dr. Miriam Stoppard. I was a Dr. Miriam Stoppard baby. My mum followed her advice to the letter from her book on, like, your baby's first 12 months, so... Oh, well, it must have worked out well because you <laughs> turned out just fine. I'm fine, yeah. I'm alive. Yep. Um, and then, before Mark can say anything else, he notices there's a giant shit in the toilet and Jeremy is just appalled at this giant shit. And then... Um, Mark is like, 
why do they do that? You think it's nerves marking your territory? And Jeremy's just like, oh, yeah, sorry, that's mine. I just forgot to flush. (laughs) Sometimes I forget. (laughs) Grim. So now we get what I would assume is a few days later. Um, Mark is at a place called the Northgate Pub. Um, So I have found the address of this place. Um, This establishment has been closed, but it's been reopened under the name De Bouvert Arms. Right. Did I even get close to pronouncing that right? Beauvoir, I would say that. Beauvoir. Okay. De Beauvoir, like Simone de Beauvoir. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Mark is upset because Heather is 45 minutes late for their date, and he's starting to get pitying smiles from a table of rather attractive women. Yeah, he says it, he starts to mess around with his phone because he says you're never alone with the phone. But then he says he's had no calls because everyone he knows doesn't want to talk to me. At least that wouldn't happen now because smartphones, you could just like go on the internet, look on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark wonders why she isn't at least sending him a text and he hopes that she's not dead. And he's like, eh, but still, um, he says bereaved is better than stood up. And um, then the scene ends. Yes. Um, then we see Jeremy and Big Sue's having dinner in a restaurant, which you've identified as being Charlotte's Place restaurant in uh, W5, a nice swanky part of London. Um, How is uh, the N1 part of London? Yeah, it's quite nice. It's not as nice as W5, but it's fine. Um, Big Sue's has broken up with Johnson because he's been looking for someone more subservient on the internet, which is a very funny line. Which is never expanded on. And they do get back together later on, so clearly... Yeah, he, like he the didn't. very next fucking episode. Yeah. Um, but she wants to know what Jeremy's big news is. But obviously now he's found out she's broken up with Johnson. He's reticent to tell her that he's got an STD. So he says that he's just got a hunch. Everything's going to be okay in Iraq. Yeah, and, and Big Seuss is just like, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, Iraq. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah. And then he asks Big Sue's what she wants to drink, and she says she wants a bottle of Barolo. And Jeremy's just like, uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, and he's trying to flip through the wine menu to find the Barolo, but he can't find it anywhere. And so he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to order a bottle of Barolo. Um, unfortunately, as soon as he orders it, he finds it in the menu, and it is 45 quid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he is immediately really annoyed with himself that he's done that which is which makes me laugh because i never in a restaurant i tend to go for like the second cheapest wine and hope that i don't look too much of a skank doing that uh i like when he tries to like subtly hint to big Sue's that she should pay for the the dinner and she's like why should i pay for it you were the one that invited me out and he's just like oh yeah good yeah point. fair enough yeah he is really funny here about how over because it goes really over the top at how delicious the wine is, and he says it's it's delicious. And I'm just trying to find the line because it is very funny. It says something like, "Where is it? It's uh, not as mm, that is good. That is excellent wine." Yes, uh, it's on page it, two seventy. Yeah, obviously it's not really delicious like hot chocolate or coke, but for wine it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That part really cracks me up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they have... Jeremy and Big Sue's have what appears to be a pleasant dinner with each other. Yes. Um, and they... We see Mark walking down the street back into Apollo House. He's still upset. 
about being stood up by Heather. Um, and he wonders if there's been an accident and if there was, could he switch off her life support, which is just a weird way of thinking. He says, married one, killed one, like a pint-sized Henry VIII. But fortunately, at this point, he sees Heather coming past him on her bike and Mark thinks about hiding but decides ultimately he's going to call her name out. And Heather, yeah. Heather does genuinely look relieved and says it's good to see him. Yeah, she says, Mark, it's so good to see you. And Mark has this really, like, stoic, like, kind of stone look on his face. And he's just thinking to himself, yeah, of course it is. I'm just the man you want to see. Yes. And Heather starts telling him the story about how she lost her phone and how it had Mark's number in it and the address of the restaurant. And so she didn't know where to go. So she just decided to ride around this area until she bumped into him. Yeah. Does this sound like a plausible story to you? Nope. <laughs> I completely think it's not true. Uh, but Mark decides it sounds plausible and they should go on their second date. Do you think it sounds true? Uh, I mean, I've had dates not occur because they lost their phone, quote unquote. So, um, I mean, it sounds plausible, but I really don't think it is. Like, Yeah, I don't think that's what happened here. Okay, but let's just jump to the end of this episode real quick because she tells him, I was trying to let you down easily with the phone thing so we know that she's apparently lying here mm. but then why the fuck was she riding her bike around in the area that he lived i guess that is true yeah maybe it was just that she didn't consider that she'd forgotten he lived there or whatever yeah i don't know it doesn't make s it, heather heather is a weird character in this show i don't get mark's fascination with her because i mean i'll just be honest she's very plain looking mm. and she has no, I mean, I don't really feel like she's, I mean, I feel like you could have done this same exact episode with Dobby and it probably would have been more interesting. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, she's a bit of a nothing character, isn't she? As so many of the love interests are in this, particularly in this series. Which, again, it's, well, we'll talk about that when, the, when we're done with the episode mm. about how weirdly placed this episode is. Yeah. Um. So Mark thinks that it sounds plausible that she did lose her phone and they agree to go out on their second date anyways, even though it's rather late. Um, and then Mark just kind of asks her if she wants to go back to his house for a drink. And she says that that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And then as they're walking, Mark realizes that she doesn't consider him a physical threat and is more than happy to go to his house with him. Which is a bit bizarre, but yeah. Um, so they go to the flat. And as they're standing outside, Mark gives her a book on samurai culture. Uh, and Mark thinks in his voiceover, it's the only book you need on samurai culture that costs less than £15. And as he goes to open the door, it opens by itself and reveals a young man in a baseball cap stealing well, what you've said is an Xbox 360. I would have just said some sort of games console. Yeah, I couldn't really tell what it was. It was like a cable box or Xbox 360 or something. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell. Um, um and Mark is aghast at this and is like, who are you? What are you doing? And I love the response from the burglar, which coincidentally, the okay, so the burglar, his name is literally Burglar. So he has no name. So if we we will refer to him as Burglar. Uh, but the burglar just responds, I'm looking for Kenny? Question mark. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark's just like, Kenny's not here and then the burglar's like okay well I'll just be leaving now and 
Um, at this point, uh, Mark just takes him to the ground. Or the burglar tries to leave. Mark kind of grabs him, uh, takes him down, and gets into what you would call full mount if you were watching an MMA fight. <laughs> yeah, he sort of sits on his chest. And Heather's kind of weirdly impressed with this level of masculinity. Um, and Mark phones the police and they say it's going to be 45 minutes to get out to him. And he's like, I'm sitting on him. Yeah, I, I like when the burglar's like, I've got asthma. <laughs> I've got asthma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark tells Heather to go get a bottle or a spanner to bonk the burglar on the head if he tries anything. And the burglar's like, oh, she better not bonk me. She better not bonk me. Um, Heather, really impressed with Mark's flat. Yeah, weirdly, it's not that great a flat, but she's really impressed with it. So Mark takes this uh, opportunity to, to, to humble brag about the flat and about his pension provisions, which he's apparently got coming out of his arse. What are pension provisions? Just, yeah, just what pension you pay into. Presumably Mark's got a good one. No, too bad that won't be around much longer. Well, if he's got a private pension, I guess that, unless it gets invested in, like, Iceland, like all the public sector ones did over here, um, he'll be fine. But, yeah, he's, the state pension will be fuck all once he's of age. Oh, yeah, right. I was thinking the pension would come from uh, JLB, not the state. I forget you guys are a little more oh, I guess, over No, there. I guess you're right. You no, know, if he's talking about his JLB pension, I guess that JLB do liquidise, but... Often in this country, if you're with a private company, you pay into like a centralised, like different companies have centralised uh, pension provision. So he'd probably be all right. Yeah. Um, and then Mark just kind of thinks that it's funny uh, or that this is going to be a funny story. And, you know, despite all the craziness of the night, things are going pretty well. And when they're married with children, this will just be a fun family story. We met the night I sat on a burglar. <laughs> Is Mark's desire to get married to Heather, does it feel weird to you at all? Considering that he is still technically married? I guess it's just a weird reaction, isn't it, to everything that's happened with Sophie. But it is a bit weird in this series that he's like constantly thinking about marrying someone. Right. And like I said, Heather just does not seem like a girl that he would want to get married to. She's so just plain yeah i think he's having some sort of psychotic break regarding marriage uh wouldn't surprise me given how awesome his turned out mm, yeah um at this point jeremy and big Sue's walk into the apartment too and um jeremy asks what's going on and mark tells him that you know the this guy's a burglar and the burglar tries to make excuses he says i'm in the wrong flat i'm looking for kenny i'm asthmatic i need money for our meter and Jeremy's like, well, he might have gotten the wrong flat, and Mark is pretty upset about that. Yeah, Mark's really annoyed that he's... Yeah, that's right, he says, take his side, um, and says something about, oh, you've only known me for 15 years, whereas he's a pillar of society, which is, is very funny, and it's, it's funny to see Mark and Jess have this little spat in the midst of Mark sitting on the burglar. Yeah, um, at this point, he gets off the burglar, and... Um, then double locks the door and then he suggests that they all, you know, um, hang out in the living room. Heather has also walked out and it has introduced herself to big Sue's just kind of casually. And then, um, yeah. And then Mark double locks the door and then they go into the, the living room. Yeah. So later on in the living room, they're all sitting around Mark, Jeremy, big Sue's Heather and the burglar. 
Um, and Jeremy's upset that they're having to play guard duty and just says, look, leave him in the kitchen with a couple of Garfields, um, which is a great callback to the, the Garfields they keep in the bathroom. <laughs> and um, Jeremy kind of like crouches down next to the burglar to talk to him. And he's like, are oh, you a rent boy? Did you run away from home? And the burglar's just having none of it. He's just like, fuck off, mate. Yeah. Uh, Mark just wants a normal night for everyone, and he tells them all to pretend that the burglar isn't there, and if the burglar does try anything, he says to just ignore the burglar, pretend the burglar isn't there, and if the burglar tries anything, he'll take him down again, and Mark's just like, yeah, I've got balls like baked potatoes. <laughs> Jeremy's had enough of um, the the general, like, Billy Big Balls-ness of this, and says, how would you take him down with Extreme Prejudice on Her Majesty's Secret Service? And... And Mark just sort of ignores this and Heather in an attempt to change the sour atmosphere asks that if anyone's seen the Tom Hank new Tom Hanks film and the burglar just pipes up, yeah, I saw it on Pirate and it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> this was genuinely the funniest part of the episode for me was this yeah. whole like scene in the living room where um you know, I like that the pipe that the burglar is actually like engaging in conversation with them and you know, um, it's driving Mark crazy because the burglars... Yeah, doesn't Mark say anything like, you're not in this yeah, conversation? Yeah, shut up, you're not in this conversation. Uh, so Mark Mark thinks that this is all too weird. Jeremy suggests they put the burglar in Mark's room, but Mark doesn't want him in there. Because um, he might shit on his property. They... Oh, yeah, not everyone in London is trying to shit on your possessions, Mark. And then Heather finds the Megatron which is upsetting for Mark. Um, and he says that the burglar must have taped the remotes together because he doesn't want to look like he has a Megatron. Yeah, I love this where he's like, did you do that? You're sick. You're sick. <laughs> now, let me just ask, um, would the Megatron be a deal breaker for you? Like if you'd gone over to Phil's apartment and you'd seen the Megatron, would that be, would you have been like, no, I'm not dating you anymore? Or would you just been like, Hey, that's not that's a smart way to keep four remotes together. I mean, the 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 house that Phil and his his housemate lived in when I met Phil, I can assure you the Megatron would have brightened the place up like it was an absolute shithole. So no, clearly nothing would have put me off dating him. The Megatron would have been the least of the problems. <laughs> um, Big Sue's she actually has a helpful idea, and she she suggests that they tie the burglar up and just leave him in the bathtub. And I love the way she says it, really like jolly hockey sticks. Like, we can tie him up and leave him in the yeah, bathtub. Mark feels like that, that might be crossing a little bit of a line, though. But then, what is Big, Big Suze's next suggestion? Oh, they burn him with cigarettes until they, uh, t- until they tell us where the rest of your things are. And again, she says it in her super cheery, like, very posh, <laughs> we could burn him with cigarettes. <laughs> and Mark is appalled by this, but Jeremy's like, don't, don't be horrible to her, she's just brainstorming. <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting insight to the Big Sue's character where her idea of dealing with someone is to tie them up, throw them in a bathtub, and then burn them with cigarettes. Yeah, that's how her mind works. Yeah. Um, Big Sue's mentions that this is a weird... Or, and then Mark just kind of shoves him out onto the porch, and they just lock him out on the porch. It's really funny because it's raining like cats and dogs, and the burglar's like, oh, it's... It's raining out here, mate. It's raining. And Mark's just like, well, 
dryness is not covered under the Human Rights Act or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's no human rights. There's no human rights to be dry. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no human rights to be dry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Big Seuss mentions that this is the weirdest date that they've ever been on. Even weirder than when they went to Laser Quest and Jeremy tried to hump her in the dark. <laughs> Um, at this point, Mark asks Jeremy, calls him into the kitchen, and says, "Why, why are you on a date? Did she not mind about the chlamydia?" And Jeremy pauses and says, "No, but Mark knows that she's not said, um, and says that you have to tell her." And Jeremy's just like, "Look, I will, but if I have to fuck her to fuck you, oh, no, sorry, if I have to fuck you to fuck her, then I will. So you better be careful where you stand." Yeah. And Mark's like. Okay, okay, fine. Yeah, I love this where Marcus, you know, he's saying like, I will stand between you two. I swear to God, I'll stand between you. And then the way that Jeremy just says that, if I have to fuck you to fuck her, then I will. So be careful where you stand, okay? And Mark's just like, yep, okay, sounds good. (laughs) So as they go back in, Heather points out that the burglar on the balcony is ringing someone on his phone. And as Mark Mark opens the door to get the phone off him, but the burglar says it's too late because he's called all his mates and they're coming over. So Jeremy's just like, can we not let him go at this? Which I think is probably the most sensible suggestion. I don't know why they don't do this. Yeah, you know, I thought about this too, but I just assumed that they mm. the burglars were going to come back regardless if they let him go or not. I guess that's true. Um Mark says that they can't let them go because the police are going to be here soon. And Jeremy says, great, 100 maniacs with no stake in society will be here soon to kick in our door. Is that your idea of a relaxing date? Yep. And I, much like you said, I really felt like at this point that Mark should just listen to Jeremy. Um, Jeremy has kind of had enough of Mark's grandstanding and he just escorts Suze to the bedroom with a big grandiose and he's like, Suze? And then he says that they're going to go barricade themselves into the bed in Jeremy's bedroom. Yeah, and Mark thinks, great, it's me protecting civilization again while Jeremy has sex. If this was the war, I'd be getting shot by Rommel whilst he was in Paris getting a blowjob from a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> um, later that evening, we have Mark and Heather, and they're in Mark's room sitting on the bed. And Mark apologizes to Heather for this being such a weird evening. And he thinks in his head you know like well what's the best way to raise the temperature a bit and then he just is like oh look here we are on the bed together and she looks a little weirded out by this statement she's not enjoying it and then he starts saying some stuff about how his feet are much bigger than hers and and then there the burglars are banging on the door at this point so mark's like don't think about that have some cheese and she just looks really uncomfortable and Jeremy pops his head around the door to say that the door's going to get kicked in. Um, and Mark's like, you should let him in or let him go so that we don't get our door kicked in. And Mark's like, no, Jeremy, that is not how I roll. You know that because he's trying to look hard in front of Heather. Yep. And uh, so Jeremy just decides to take matters into his own hands. And he lets the burglar out from the porch um, so that he can go bang Big Sue's. Um, as he lets the burglar out... Um, he tells the burglar, like, look, I'm doing you a favor. Like, you got to help me out here. Like, don't fucking burgle us again. <laughs> yeah, and he's being all, like, like cool teacher about it, isn't he? Like, yeah, you know, just don't do it again, lads. Come on. I just have this vision of, like, you and another teacher just, like, playing good cop, bad cop. Oh, on Friday I did that. So I've got this atrocious group of year nines who are, like, 
14 years old and Satan, like Satan's children, Satan's own children. And they are just, it's hard to describe what's wrong with them. They're just loud and stupid. And so I see them twice a week and another teacher sees them twice a week. And on Friday morning, I just couldn't get them to do what I wanted them to do for their assessment. So I emailed the other teacher and was like, can you come down? And we're just going to have to do good cop, bad cop. And she sort of instantly went into bad cop. And I was like walking around the room, shaking my head, saying like, it's not good, guys. It's really not good. And I did think when I watched this episode on Friday night, oh, my God, that's what I was doing this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And then with your kind of raspy voice, I could see you having to get close to people and you're like, that's not good. That's not good, you little fuck. That's not good. Yeah, well, I was just kicking their chair out from underneath them. Yeah, I could see this like little 14-year-old kid like, why is Miss Bourne yelling at me, but she's having to stand like four inches from me to do it? It's taking all her lung capacity. <laughs> um, uh. So... Uh, Jeremy opens the door and there's like probably six or seven youths outside of the door and um, the burglar one walks out and uh, as Jeremy goes to close the door, another burglar just sticks his foot in the door and prevents Jeremy from closing it. Um, You hear the first burglar and he just says, Hattie, they've got a big fucking TV in there. And then he looks at Jeremy and he says, move out of the way or we'll rush you. And then Jeremy's just like, not my lovely face. <laughs> yeah, he's not much of a fighter. Um, so then a few minutes later, Mark is still thinking about how he's going to heat things up with Heather, but it's clear nothing's going to work. And Heather's like getting up to go, but Mark says, you know, there's a mob, so you probably shouldn't go yet. And as Mark opens the door to the room, he sees that the burglar's just walking out of his telly. And Mark asks what happened. And Jeremy says, look, the burglar escaped. He overpowered me. And they all got in. Yep, and uh, as they're walking out, um, Mark just tells him to stop, and then one of the burglars just looks at him and he just says, fuck off, clean shirt. Um, what I loved about this is this is actually the exact same actors from Warring Factions. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant callback to that, and it's like six years later, and this little squitty kid's gone from being a little squitty kid to a full-grown man. Yeah, that was what tripped me the fuck out was how... <laughs> big like i went back and watched the series uh, the the scene in warring factions with him and i mean he doesn't look like he's older than seven but then somehow in this episode he looks like he's fucking 25 yeah he's clearly like pre-puberty in warring factions and puberty hit him hard he's like six foot six yeah um and then at this point mark realizes that the door was locked and he kind of instantly knows what jeremy did uh, Jeremy challenges Mark to chase the gang down, and Jeremy says, "If Heather saw Mark beat up a whole gang that much, uh, if she Heather saw you, Mark, beat up a whole gang of children, that might get her hot." Um, yeah, uh, and Mark's just like even Mark realizes that this is bullshit now. So he's like, "The only way out of this is mutually assured destruction," and he just barges into Jeremy's room and. Sh- Shouts, big C's, I regret to inform you that Jeremy has or may have a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. Um, Now, remind me, do you have any siblings? Yes, I've got a sister. Younger sister. Okay, did you and your sister have a mutually self-assured destruction pact like my sister and I did? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, lots of things were blurted out on the basis of, oh, you didn't watch Friends, did you? There's a great Friends episode where 
Monica and Ross just start shouting out things from their past that, that happened and and I think one of them is like <laughs> that weed you found in the dresser wasn't Chandler's it was Ross's and she's like that that like they keep shouting these things at the parents and then um, and me and my sister used to do that a lot yeah my sister and I we pretty much would play dumb if our parents asked us about anything you know if they were like oh do you know anything about this <laughs> We just be like, nope, don't know, don't know a damn thing because we knew if one of us squealed, then the other would squeal, and then it would only just be going downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this part where Big Sue's is. She looks so worried, and she says, "Us STD, Jeremy, is it AIDS?" And he's just like, "Of course it's not AIDS. This isn't the '80s." It's the best STD, just cute old, mostly symptomless chlamydia. Yeah, um, and then Big Sue looks upset and says, when were you going to tell me? And he's like, I was going to tell you sensitively in the next little bit of time, but Mark blurred it all out before I could. And Big Sue is obviously affronted, so she grabs a bag and a coat and she marches off and Jeremy goes to follow her, but Mark blocks him and Jeremy's like, follows to this and tries to leave. But then Mark says he's going to take him down. And I just wanted to play this last like little little minute and a half bit because this whole part with Mark taking down Jeremy is so goddamn funny with like <laughs> the look on Jeremy's face when he's like, oh my God, you're doing it. You're actually doing it. You're putting your leg behind mine and taking me down to the floor. <laughs> it just, um, it, this part cracks me up, so I'm just going to play this part right here. Okay. Mark, I need to go. The police will be here any minute, and I'm not telling them I let the burglar go. That's your job. You're an accessory to the crime. Bollocks. Jeremy, if you try anything, I will take you down. I'm, I'm not afraid. Ooh, I can't wait to see this. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. What are you doing? Are you putting your hand on me? Are you having a fight with me? Are you fighting me? I'm doing what I've got to do. I'm going to go, Mark. No, Jeremy. My God, you are. You are fighting me. This is incredible. You're putting your foot behind me and you're pushing me down towards the floor. Finally, you're restraining me. OK, all right, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to keep you here till the police arrive, OK? This is... Why hasn't this happened before? This is what it's all been leading towards, isn't it? I'm confiscating your keys. Oh, yeah, have a good old rootle around in there. You never know what you might find. Mark, Mark, um... I'm not sure how much more there is I can do here, so I think I might head off. No, 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 we're having a date. We, we, we can still date. You, you owe me a date. We've had our date, Mark. We've, we've had half an hour date. So. 20 minutes? It, it's too soon. You can't go yet. Uh, I, I won't let you go. Well, I think it might take the edge off the evening if I'm being held hostage. Look, I, I, I wanted to tell you something. Look, Mark, nothing is going to happen, OK? We're not a good fit. You're, you're a weird guy. He is a weird guy. I, I, I tried to let you down gently with the phone story, but now I'm tired and I'm going home. What did you want to tell me? I thought that you might be the one, but, but I, I guess probably not. So, good night. <laughs> you're taking me down. You've got your leg behind. I love this part. Um... Of course, it's a great all... closing scene. Um, yeah. I really, I really enjoy when Mark says that um, he's going to confiscate his keys and he's putting his hands in Jeremy's pockets and he's like, "Oh yeah, go on, have a good old rooting around in there." Yeah, 
the this whole last little part is really really damn funny especially with the revelation that heather just thinks mark is a total fucking weirdo yeah you're a weird guy mark (laughs) (laughs) to say the least yep um wow we really blew through this episode damn yeah, we didn't like it. I think when we don't like it, we're we yeah. faster. I think that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you talk about what what you didn't like about it first? All right. So, um, this is probably my least favorite like series premiere out of every single fucking episode so far. Um, it just is. It's so weird because, like I said, we meet Dobby the very next episode, and given how important that she is throughout the whole series it just seems weird to me that she wasn't introduced in this episode yeah i agree with you i said to you earlier off off air that i completely misremembered the order of these episodes so i thought that episode two uh which we'll talk about next week was episode one and this was episode two in fact i completely misremembered how i watched them i was sure i watched them in that order i had to like go back and check my next net netflix feed because i was like and then I was looking in the book and I was like, no, they're not. But but clearly in my mind, I put them in a better order because I felt like this this order was wrong. So I agree with you that this is um is definitely a a weird choice for a series opener. Yeah, I feel like Spin War would have been a much stronger opening <laughs> since you would have seen like the immediate aftermath of the wedding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of sad that we don't see the immediate aftermath of the wedding here. Um, because it feels like when we then later do, it's a bit like later in the day, whereas I think we needed to see all the stuff, like obviously we'll talk about this next week, but like all the stuff with Sophie's dad and the cousin coming down surely would have happened first in this episode. Oh my fucking God. Yeah, that's right. Because it is the next episode where they bring the tuna down. Yeah, so the heartbreak tuna. So it does just seem a bit out of place and I wonder what their reasons were for putting them in this order when clearly my brain felt that they were in the wrong order so it's a bit of a weird one but it's fine it's but it's got some funny moments but i just feel like you never quite get to the meat of this episode like just as it gets going it finishes yeah yeah this is definitely in the bottom third of my episodes um would, would you like to guess where i put it on my list yes in one second the one thing that really was weird to me too that i had completely forgotten about is that heather says that their entire date was only 20 minutes um yes so when, basically when it seems to go on for hours yeah so basically from the time they got back um to the time that heather left was only 20 minutes so it was almost like this episode was shot in real time mm-hmm. yeah i but, agree with you i, I would have thought it was longer than that but yeah i mean i guess that makes sense why the police never showed up so. yeah yeah okay so i think this episode is bad um let's see there's what 52 episodes of peep show total or 54 54 total uh i'm gonna say there's some there's some, roll, please. some bad episodes later i'm gonna say 44 uh no it's a bit higher than that oh what is it 36 36 oh god damn it because originally when I was thinking about this earlier today, I was I was like, I'm going to go with 33, but I should have just listened <laughs> to my gut. Yeah, 36. Um, yeah, that's where I put this. Yeah. I, it's definitely in my... It's, it's in my kind of... In the nah episodes. What I would call the nah episodes where I don't hate them, but 
they're all very alike and I get them so kind of confused. So other episodes in this kind of area that we've talked about already are Sistering. Sistering's in that region. That's a good um, range for Sistering. Yeah, like what else is in there? Mugging is in that region. Oh, I liked Mugging. Yeah, it's fine, but it's not my favourite. Um, and then from later seasons, like Chairman Mark is in this region. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. We haven't gotten to Chairman Mark yet. No, I know, I know we haven't, but I'm not telling you the numbers. I'm just kind of giving you a feel for the kind of meh episodes. <laughs> gotcha. Um, <laughs> so we had kind of a a tough... Donnie, Donnie had kind of a tough peep show culinary this week. Um, so once again, thank you, Donnie Taylor, for peep show culinary. Um, so it says... While there are plenty of drink options in Burgling, like the Mark and Sophie labeled champagne, Jez's mention of Coke and hot chocolate, and Mark and Heather's wine and cheese, there just isn't very much food to make a meal out of this week. There are marinated olives and bread at the table during Jez and Susie's date, and Mark mentions having balls like baked potatoes, and that is pretty much it. Luckily, Jez has only bloody come through for us by thinking to order a pizza from a restaurant called American Hot. Or as we now know, a pizza that isn't American hot. So this week, order out for pizza. Make it American hot if they're in your area. Don't make your own pizza. You'll be too stressed to cook knowing this is just for this episode. You spent 45 quid on a bottle of Barolo. Yep. Um, so there's a couple of TV shows that I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny that you and I have such similar tastes when it comes to Peep Show, but then all of our non-Peep Show related shows are just like, we don't watch totally any... different yeah, yeah, yeah totally different um so i mentioned it kind of briefly during um how not to be a boy but i watched punisher last weekend and i was kind of torn on watching punisher do you know anything about punisher or like who he no. is no not at all okay so basically he's a marvel character that um he's vigilante and he's a ex um military member um, his family is killed and he decides to like basically wipe out the criminal underworld by excessive guns and violence. Um, and with everything that, um, so in Daredevil season two, John Bermenthal, who is in, who was Shane in Walking Dead, um, was cast to play Frank Castle, the Punisher in series two of Daredevil. And he was fucking phenomenal as Punisher, which was weird because Punisher is not a character that I really like mostly because the violence doesn't really sit well with me. Mm. Um, and so they announced after Daredevil Season 2 that they were going to be making a Punisher series and that it was going to debut after The Defenders, and The Defenders aired um, earlier this year. And so Punisher series came out. Um, unfortunately, due to some real-life incidents, um, the church shooting and then the um, uh, Las Vegas shooting, uh, Punisher kind of came out at a bad time, and so I was really worried about Punisher in general because I was like, okay, well, this is going to be all guns and violence, and it's not going to be very good, but um, I want to watch it anyways. And I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked Punisher. Um, it didn't really have a lot of the violence glorification and the gun glorification that I thought it was. Um, the first actual like six episodes are pretty slow paced. And then once it gets to about episode eight to 13, it's pretty good, but um, I highly recommend it. I thought it was excellent. It was been probably my uh, daredevil season. One was my favorite Jessica Jones and then Punisher in that order. Mm. So I really enjoyed Punisher. 
And then another Marvel-related property just started on Hulu and is called The Runaways. Um, one thing that Hulu does that drives me fucking crazy with their original series is they don't release all the episodes at once. They release them weekly. Mm. Like, doesn't that sound like that would drive you crazy? Like, when you're so used to binge-watching and then you have to watch yeah, things so week, by, week by week? I'm, I'm similar now, so I'm... Actually, I started watching something on BBC iPlayer, and it was like... There were two episodes because I'd missed it twice, but I was like, oh, I really want the third episode. Like, I've got so used to watching things on a roll like that that I hate it when you have to wait for each week for, for an episode. I know, it was like, my wife and I sat down and she was just like, okay, watch whatever you want to watch. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to watch, um, you know, Runaways on on Hulu. And um, we watched the first three episodes and my wife was like, oh my god, that's really good, let's watch another episode. And I was like, okay, let's watch another episode. And then it was like, haha, just kidding, episode four comes out next week. I was like, really? Yeah, like, so annoying. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Give me all my content at once. I want to just devour <laughs> it whole right now yeah 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 so um i'm trying to think of anything else that we can do to extend this out but um i'm still watching american horror story oh um we we watched the part we finished the first season and we're like well that was dross but somehow we're like completely involved now so we watched asylum oh my god i thought asylum was amazing i thought it was so good really really enjoyed it and we yeah. watched it in like four days or something ridiculous so the only thing that i don't like about asylum is it has the whole thing with like the nazi doctor and i like, liked the nazi doctor i enjoyed the nazi doctor. no i enjoyed the nazi doctor too but i just feel like it's so weird that there's like these apparently like mutated humans living out sorry spoilers for american horror story but asylum for anyone that's not is stuck back in 2012 yeah but, you know, you've got this Nazi doctor. You've got these, like, apparently, like, human experiments, like, running around the asylum. But, like, you never see them. And I just feel like that the story just is never resolved. Yeah, I guess that, that story isn't really resolved because he then, spoilers, goes into the, puts himself in the cremator, doesn't he, with uh, Sister Mary Eunice. But um, but generally, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was so much stronger than murder house which was just dross yeah asylum dross, is... i couldn't stop watching I what fucking... was the what did you say was the best one in your opinion was it asylum um uh yeah asylum and then um roanoke right okay yeah so we started watching COVID. um no there's the one with the freak show is it called freak show oh my um, god i mean Ugh. that's that's particularly bizarre and we're not loving it so if you say roanoke's better we might head for roanoke okay so freak show uh, how many episodes into freak show are you four okay so y you've seen twisty the clown and you've seen how fucking awesome twisty the clown is and i think yeah. i think episode four is like where it talks about his like basically his origin right mm -hmm. yeah because i yes. think yeah so pretty much everything after this is horrible right okay yeah, I'm not, that doesn't surprise me because I'm not. I don't feel very invested. Whereas, like by episode four of Asylum, I felt very invested. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you can slog through that one if you want, or you can just skip straight to um, uh, Ro Roanoke, which is really good. The only thing that I'm really liking about it is um, I really like 
um, Francis Conroy's character as the mum of the horrible, spoiled son. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I love, um, God damn it, what is his, what is that kid's name, the horrible, spoiled son? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Oh, Dandy. Dandy DeMott. Dandy, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I like Finn yeah. Whit- Finn Whitrock is great. The guy that plays Dandy is, he's awesome. That character is quite a similar part to the gay, the sort of camp gay guy in Murder House, isn't he? He's quite a similar kind of yeah gay gay guy vibe. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Roanoke, Roanoke is good. I have mixed feelings about Hotel. Like, Hotel isn't bad, it's just weird. It's weird as Is that as the fuck. one with Lady Gaga in it? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds weird. But then, you know, it's all weird and we're watching it, so I can't get too high and mighty about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Roanoke is awesome. Like, I think Roanoke, it was really good because they shortened... Uh, Roanoke is a shorter season than the other ones were, so... One thing that is nice is that it doesn't go off the rails because I feel like that even Asylum kind of has these parts where it just goes off the rails and, and you're like, okay, why is this happening? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's absolute dross, but we are loving it. And I, the other thing I'm loving at the moment is Jane the Virgin, which is terrible, but I cannot stop watching it. And I've watched like something ridiculous, like 14 episodes in about a week. Oh, I've heard good things about Jane the Virgin. It's it's good. It's it's stupid and like like sort of frothy nonsense, but it's it's good and it's got a clever idea, so it's it's worth a watch. It's on Netflix. Yeah, um that actress uh was on like a rap battle show that we have here in America. Oh, the thing on I know it's on Comedy Central over here. I don't know. What it's yeah, there, yeah, it's like yeah, celebrity yeah. rap battle yeah, or some yeah, shit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And she was uh, battling this American football player named Rob Gronkowski, and she just like destroys Gronk on the microphone. It's very funny. <laughs> I have to find that. I do find her likable. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's all we can talk about today. So. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, we will be back next week with, uh, what is the episode next Spin week? Spin War. Sp- Spin War. Yeah, a great episode. So I look forward to talking to you about that. Introduction of your favorite character. <laughs> yeah, I've got some things to say about her. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about the closet scene because I still think that that's such a weird fucking scene. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, that's everything. This is uh, the L Dude Brothers signing off, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. And I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,